It's the Super 90s Brothers! Anonymity is your name. Silence your native tongue. You are no longer part of the system. You are above the system, over it, beyond it. We're them, we're they. We are the men in black. It's the MIBs. Uh, they come to MIBs. In black, remember that just in case we have a face to face and make contact. The title held by me, MIB, means what you think you saw, you did not see. So don't be what was dead is now going black suit with the black ray bands on. Walk a shadow, move in silence, guard against extraterrestrial violence. But yo, we ain't on no government list. We straight don't Thank you, Will Smith, and welcome back to the Super 90s Brothers. Ow! Where we do hazy memory riffs on the most cavity probing decade ever. I'm your host, Brennan Pointer. Along with me is my co-host, Adam J. Pitzler. And today we're talking about Men in Black. Ow! Man, that was that takes me back. I I don't even know how many times I listened to that song when I had it on CD. Like constantly. Take me black too. <laughs> Oh man, but it's nice. I'm I'm happy to be. I'm so happy to be back. It's been a very very long time. Too long. I think we've just had a crazy summer and then fall, and now it's fucking winter. Well, winter where I'm at, probably seventy degrees where you're at. But yeah, it was a really really busy second half of the summer and early fall for me. And I know Brennan's been hustling in Spokane, so we apologize for uh, not getting episodes done earlier. But we're happy to be here today for you. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's this is cool. I, I've I've been wanting to do this episode for a long time, but yeah. But other than that, how how's everything been, Adam? How's like how's life? You were just in Seattle. You you were you saw the Seahawks in their throwback unis. That that's like '90s, isn't it? Or even '80s? <laughs> we'll call it vintage. I wore my vintage Chad Brown jersey Ooh. that I must have gotten in like 1997 or so. And it was all messed up. The lettering's all coming off because I used to wear it playing football every Saturday. Ta- tackle football with my friends. And I thought everybody's been wearing shit like that. And I show up to the Seahawks stadium for like throwback day and everybody's wearing like brand spanking new bright blue Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf jerseys. And I'm like, okay, well this really did its job because they sold the shit out of those jerseys. So people love the throwbacks and you know why? Because people love the nineties. I, I, I agree. And I actually think they look so much better. And those those silver helmets, they just got to go to those silver helmets. They it, they looked amazing on the field. Uh, yeah, I, I'm still not a I'm still a bigger fan of the newer logo with the angrier looking Seahawk. The old totem Seahawk just looks kind of boring to me. Yeah. But but the color scheme, I do agree. But let's not talk too much about Seahawks. Fair enough. Yeah, there's everyone's probably already tired of it. Yeah, they are. So um, what what's been up with you, man? It's been a long summer. Yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of new podcasts, you know, working, hustling, doing events. Like, I just, I don't think since we did our live podcast in June, I have had like a week, every weekend 
I've literally been doing something, either an event or doing going somewhere. It was just, it's been nonstop. And so now we're kind of in the slowdown season and now we're getting into other, other podcasts and, you know, a lot of, a lot of fun things happen here at Spocast. So. No, it's great. I, I feel the exact same way. I was just complaining to my wife this morning that like, I don't get, I haven't had like a weekend off since like mid July. Now it's not true. I've had like one or two where I didn't have firm like weekend plans that take up like your whole weekend, mm. but like every other weekend for the past three months and the, the preceding next, like three to five weekends, I've got more stuff going. Like, I'm just like, I'm I'm with you. It's been really busy end of 2023. Yeah, and I, but now I, it's slowing down, and I, I'm hoping we can get out a lot more uh, Super 90s Brothers uh, podcasts. I, I really miss doing this, and it really does, like, when you podcast all the time, like, doing podcasts for other people is great, but, like, doing podcasts that I love doing, like, is why I did this and making podcasts, and Super 90s Brothers is obviously where it started for me, and I, I, I think I when i don't do it i i really really miss it impressed with the the way you rubber band back to doing your own source material cuz you you know you don't make the you don't make client money off of me like you do all these other podcasts you do but you always make time for super 90s bros and uh anyway i hope uh i hope we produce a kick ass show for the fans today absolutely let's get into it so yeah we're on the internet and we need those awesome five star reviews from you guys for apple itunes music reach out to us share our show like our shit show a friend or whatever, you can reach out to us directly at super90sbrothers at gmail.com, at super90sbrothers. Brennan is at spocastpods, adampitzler.com is where you can find my shit, my writing, and we're just thrilled to have you guys. Yeah, absolutely. I I appreciate every listener, and if you can just do all those things, it would just make us, maybe it'll make us some money someday. (laughs) Yeah, some theoretical coin. Um, But today... We're still talking about the 90s. So what I'm going to do is I want I want to set set the scene for you. So I want you all to travel back in time, all right? Picture yourself. It's the summer 1997. The Green Bay Packers won their first title since 1967. Bill Clinton is in his second term of presidency. And Mike Tyson literally just bit Evander Holyfield's ear off in a heavyweight title match when the radio starts playing. That was a number two song in the U.S. at the time. That was uh, Mbop by Hanson. I don't think we needed to actually tell anyone who, what, who that was by or what song that was. Of course we did. If, you, if you're if you like younger and you're checking out the 90s, thanks to us, I hope for a lot of our listeners' sake, they had never heard that piece of shit song before. <laughs> I want you all to know there were other good song options. Now, sometimes I come into this podcast and I've got like nothing that I'm really in love with. This time there was like, there was that bitch song, and there was like one or two other really good popular songs in the '90s. That I'm a bitch, I'm a that song. But mm. Brennan picked Umbop. All right. I mean, I, this probably is the only time we might be able to do this. I mean, I'm actually that's probably not true, but because that song was like a number one 
top hit for like months. How the hell did that happen? Because it's a very catchy song, Adam. It's a very it's, it's a it's a it's a song that like I want to dance to. It's fun. They're all made up lyrics. Like they're singing like ba Like it's like caveman rap. Like I don't I don't know what the hell they're talking about. I mean. The lyricism isn't the best. I want to, because like this is something I wanted to like talk about was uh, the the I picked that chorus or that that verse because it I was like when I was listening to it I was just like what the fuck are they talking about because I was like I need to I want to dive a little bit into this because it says plant a seed plant a flower plant a rose you can plant any one of those keep planting to find out which one grows it's a secret no one knows I, I, this is science Hanson brothers like. A flower grows because of like a lot of because of people. Scientists has figured figured this out. That's why I'm, no one knows. No one no knows one. <laughs> the, the lyrics. <laughs> the, the seven year old drummer kid didn't know, so nobody knows. <laughs> they're like, "Hey, seven year old, your flowers grow." Nobody knows, and they're like, "That's brilliant." <laughs> I don't. I don't. And so I like also wanted to look up like what is the meaning of their hit song. It's like a New York minute, right? Like umbop is like a New York minute, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which everything I, happens in an umbop. You have a baby in an umbop. You know, you go to college in an umbop. You die in an umbop. Grandfather's casket gets raided by Indiana Jones in an umbop. Like it, it all just <laughs> happened so quick. Did they want that to become like part of the vernacular? Like, no, I was not into umbop. And in fact, there was a pretty clear delineation of the kids that liked umbop and the kids that didn't in my middle school. Same here. Like, I, I couldn't really like this outwardly. Like, I had to, like, hide it. I actually liked it inwardly. I mean, yeah, I liked it inwardly because I, I mean, I like pop music. I liked NSYNC. I liked Backstreet Boys when I was, like, a kid. But, like, oh, my God. Backstreet, like, Mbop makes Backstreet Boys look like Michael Jackson. Well, yeah, okay? of course. Yeah. It's what I will say about it was, like, I, I want to give you a little quick backstory of everything about this is when I saw this video for the very first time, I thought. They were girls. I thought the lead singer Taylor Hansen was a girl. Uh, he kind of looks like like a young Jodie Foster. Were you like into him? I don't. It was just like it was a, it was a very very manly girl. <laughs> <laughs> Sigourney Weaver, <laughs> very handsome woman. So this video is so lame. I encourage you '90s people out there to go watch the video. It's like a it's like a bad old Gap commercial. Or like the opening credits to a lame ass Disney TV show. Like they're they're like bouncing around, they're smiling, they're twirling, they're playing grab ass. Like they they're, they're fucking around in front of green green screens. They've got this one like generic shot where they're playing their instruments and the little seven year olds like banging his drums, and they keep cutting back to that wide shot like ten times throughout the video, and it's the same shot. And it's like you you didn't even film like an hour in the studio. You got to use the same ten seconds. Yeah, this video looked like it was made like on a on a shoestring budget. Like I don't I there was no like premise behind it. It was just like let's just take videos of the kids like singing and then riding around in a car and then yeah, behind green screens like they probably spent like a $1000 and make this video it seems like. They're like rollerblading and jumping. I mean, they're not even dancing. They don't even dance for like a 90s music kids video. Let me ask you something. Does this music video, song, band, whatever, go anywhere if the Hanson boys are gingers? <laughs> I don't know why I got to bring gingers into this, but... uh, Put ugly red hair and freckles on those kids and tell me Umbop is a success. Tell me. I don't know. Yeah, I guess, you know, maybe if uh, Jesse Plemons had been famous and maybe, but like now, but 
he's not that much of a ginger that like he doesn't have those really ugly he doesn't have that really ugly sissy spacex freckle thing going on that's from coal miner's daughter <laughs> oh man you're you're being really mean to redheads you know you know my family like most of my family on the on my dad's side are red- actually my dad's family is like all redheads <laughs> they're they're the inferior race, race like that's all there is to it they like when god made man like he accidentally made redheads one day. Like he got drunk and he like went to the bathroom, didn't wash his hands. Then he made redheads. Well, they're becoming extinct, Adam. Good, because no one will breed with them <laughs> as it should be. Oh, God. <laughs> Gonna get some really some bad red hair people hate mail. <laughs> Don't worry, they can't write. <laughs> so this this music video, I was watching it and I was like, this is just like a Mentos song. And so what I did or a Mentos commercial. So what I did was I like, I played the Mentos commercial on one browser. Then I opened up the Umbop music video and I put it on mute and I just watched it with the Mentos commercial and I was laughing my ass off. the fresh maker so for those who don't know who you know go watch the video but basically mentos commercials were like something bad would be happening to someone like this guy get basically like got paint on his clothes and then in the the painter guy is like and it's fresh paint the painter's guy like i don't know what to tell you and then the guy is like he decides to lay on he decides to lay on the bench and then like roll around and then gets a striped suit and like and then he stripes. It does, it makes zero sense. So the one I watched was even worse. It's like these people are crossing the street and then a car like stops in front of them. And like, but he like pops a Mentos. So then he like crawls through the guy's car and gets out on the other side. I was like, how is that easier than just walking around the car? Like it's a car. It's not, it's not a, the fucking Red Sea. <laughs> I, like, I, go around the car. You don't need a Mentos. <laughs> I forgot about that one. They're great. It's it's a great rabbit hole to go down. Like Mentos commercials are like the best. And then like the Foo Fighters made a really good spoof of it, like for uh, one of their songs back in the '90s. That is uh, making fun of it. Uh, I love Mentos commercials. They should really bring those back and like make them in like the 2000s. They we they should, but they should keep them super cheesy on purpose oh. so that like, that that's the only way to make. It. If they try and make them cool or something, Mentos will never be cool. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's very true. Back to the Umbop song. I mean, the, the idea that this song was the number two song in the country, the idea that this song was ever popular with anyone other than 10-year-old girls is a national embarrassment. <laughs> this is an example of why aliens think we're unworthy to contact. Like, they're coming around, they're floating down Earth in 1997. Hey, should we talk to these people? Like, oh my God, listen to their music. They're listening to Umbop. So speaking of people who make stupid PG music videos, let's get back to Will Smith and the Men in Black. Ow. So, Adam, how old were you when you saw this? It came out in 97. So, like, what, what's your story? I, I have a good story as well. So, I don't remember my theater story, but I remember that Thanksgiving, it came out on video. Mm. And, like, mm. so, it had just come out, like, with that week. 
and somebody brought it over to my sister's family's big Thanksgiving party. And I was there with my cousin Luke, and we were playing like Goldeneye all day. It's like one of my favorite Thanksgivings ever. It's like the first day I ever experienced Goldeneye. Mm, mm. And my sister's has kind of like this kind of, I don't know, he's, he's kind of a bad guy. Like in high school, he was like kind of a troublemaker. His name is JB. He's fine. He's not a bad guy, but he was like kind of a troublemaker in high school. And one of his like... We think one of his deadbeat friends like ripped off the men in black copy that whoever brought over to watch Thanksgiving. Mm, and for some mm. reason at this Thanksgiving party where there's like 40 people and I'm like a total outsider, like everyone else has a different last name than me. Like for some reason, somebody made a joke that I stole it. And for whatever reason that like became the narrative of Thanksgiving. And it became like in people's mind that Adam took the Adam stole men in black. And it's like, I, I didn't fucking steal men in black. It was definitely one of these like 19 year old hood guys hanging around like me. I was like 13 and I was playing fucking Goldeneye. I didn't steal your stupid VHS. I'm still mad about that. I don't know who planted that rumor, but... Did you see in the theater, perhaps? Or did I believe you... I did, but I don't remember. I uh, I have a very distinct memory of seeing it, because at 97, I would have been in sixth grade or coming out of sixth grade and played baseball, and I was on an all-star team, and we would go to Helena, Montana, and, and, Helen, and it would always happen over fourth of july weekend week whatever and we'd go play in this baseball tournament and kind of the only thing to do in helena outside of like hanging out in the pool and at the hotel was and playing baseball was like go seeing movies and so i think it was like two years in a row i saw men in black and i saw independence day um in helena and it's just you would go into this theater in helena and I saw it with some buddies. Like I think I saw it with Mike Palladino and like Nick Winterstein. So, it, but it, I, one thing I do remember about the theater was that it was jam packed, and it was I, I don't know if like the AC went off or whatever, but it was fucking hot in there, and it was it, it was a, you were I was sweating balls in there. It was it was awful. Not a big memory, but like I, but it's this is a movie I just went back to over and over and over again for like for years to come. Well, good. Then you should be well-versed for my favorite part of the show. Brennan's bad synopsis. Ow. God. I watched this movie, tried to watch this movie a couple a couple months ago uh, when we originally started doing the, you know, when we were going to record it. And I watched, like, the first, like, 30 minutes of it. And then today I was like, I did not watch this. And I, I honestly... I don't know the plot very well. <laughs> <laughs> it's a movie I kept coming back to. <laughs> so, so giddy up. I don't know what my fog is about remembering, remembering plots. I remember pieces of movies. I just don't ever remember what the fuck happened. But basically what this movie is about is that there is a, a, a secret organization, like a, a government organization, uh, the Men in Black, and they protect the earth or the America. I don't know if there's like precincts other places. I think that happens in later movies. Uh, but they're protecting the earth from aliens, alien invasions. And then they also keep the peace with the aliens that are current living on, currently living on earth. And basically the plot of this story in the men in black history is that <laughs> it's, it's, this is where it's going to go downhill. Struggling. <laughs> if you saw his face, guys. Basically, Tommy Lee Jones, who plays the the character K, the letter K, uh, he is. Uh, you, they have partners. He he is a partner with his other partner, and I don't forget if he was like R or Q or T or whatever the hell his name was, but B D like double D. 
Oh, D. Oh, Your wow. favorite cup size. Basically, he retires, and so now K needs a needs a replacement. He needs a new partner, and so they recruit a young whippersnapper. Uh, I don't know if I should actually say that. Um, a young man, a young man by Will Smith J. Um, and what am I? What am I? What does that look? Well, you're afraid to say whippersnapper now. Like, what the hell has the world come to? Well, I feel like whippersnapper on a black person might be a, <laughs> like a derogatory term. <laughs> yeah, right. You could only refer to the overseer as a whippersnapper. <laughs> um, they they need some new blood in the men in black. They're they're old men. Like Tommy Lee Jones, K is like already pretty old, and so they recruit Will Smith um, to to be a part of the men in black. But at this time, also they're they're getting. Inv- I don't know if they're getting invaded, but there is a, a another. There's an alien that came that crashes into Earth, and he is like a the, he they whatever they are is like a a worm. He's a like cockroach a type of is a, is oh a cockroach, and he t- basically takes over the body of Vin- Vincent D'Onofrio uh, Egger, and he's now on a mission to like. Destroy the Earth. This is where I'm very foggy about what actually. He's happens. trying to find some relic that has a bunch of resources, and it's it's tied around oh. Orion's belt. Orion's belt, which is a cat that's also, I don't know if it's an alien. Uh, no, the cat was just yeah. a cat, but it was owned by an alien. Yes, and then basically it's K and J's job to to protect this cat. And the make, oh, they have to find it as well. Okay, good to know. <laughs> Nobody knows where the rel- the relic is. And remember, the little tiny alien homeboy says it's on Orion's belt. And they're like, "What the fuck does that mean?" And also, like, who ref- who refers to a uh, fucking uh, collar as a belt? Is that what they call it there in the movie? They, they call, call it belt? Orion's belt to be intentionally. Oh, it's like a it's like a code. I well, no, they call it's it that on- to be unhelpful. They don't because if he says said it's on my cat's fucking collar they would just go get it but they're like orion's belt what do we do right well does the alien get it is that what happens and they have to get it back from them because <laughs> that's that's where i that's where i don't know where the ending of this movie yeah eventually they- everybody finds out it's on the cat's like collar and then yeah. edgar cockroach edgar goes and grabs the cat and like flees to a spaceship and that's when they like apprehend him well, and the, and his spaceship crashed but the spaceship that he's getting to is in like in this park where the World's Fair happened years ago, and he's trying to take off in these other this, these old spacecrafts. That's right. And then, but then K and J save the day with the help of you know a, a woman, Lin- Linda, Fio- <laughs> some woman, Linda Fiorentino. Uh, and that's really the plot of Men in Black. Um, there's a lot else that happens in it, but I. Uh, you know what I I realized when I was giving this bad synopsis is like why I don't actually know the plot of this movie is because I've probably only ever watched the movie through like once or twice. I've I always probably just fell asleep watching it and never finished it. This is where I don't I don't quite ever follow your count because you'll tell me you've seen a movie dozens of times or whatever and then mid bad synopsis you'll often point out i only ever watch the first 20 to 25 minutes and then i fall asleep or pass out playing like in my opinion 
if you've seen an hour, a two-hour movie, but you've only seen the first half like mm. five times, then you've only seen that two and a half movie two and a half times. But you tell people you've seen it five, which is misleading. I tell people I've seen movies like 50 times because I don't really know how many times I've actually so seen you just them. Exact, so you're a liar. I always like to be over the amount. You like of, to be bigger and better. Think, um, sure. <laughs> That's why you're, you're on anabolic steroids. That that is yeah. I am uh, helps your podcast I, voice. It does the Barry Bonds of podcasting. Brennan Pointer helps my vocal cords. Helps your but, back knee. But yeah, there. I mean, it's a very simple plot. I mean, it's like it's pretty complicated. You know, two two guys got to save the save the planet, uh, and like really, the movie's all about like the the hijinks set. You know, this new young recruit is learning being an, a, a a men in black. A man in black, a person in black. Um, so yeah, okay, yeah. That's that's. I mean, that's as good as it's gonna get. So that is Britain's bad synopsis. Thank you very much, Britain. So this movie had a ninety million dollar budget, which is nothing to sneeze at. It's still box officed five hundred eighty nine million to date. Like it's just killed it. That's that's all six and a half times the budget. Seriously, almost a six hundred million dollar movie at the time. It's just nuts. And the main characters. You know, obviously Will Smith is in this movie and he plays the character of Jay. At the time, we knew Will Smith at, from Fresh Prince, obviously, Bad Boys and Independence Day, the summer before, which was awesome, and Bad Boys the summer before that. So this was this was the third of four successive summer blockbusters, right? Went Bad Boys, Independence Day, Men in Black, and then that Wild Wild West one that bombed. Yeah. But this one was still good. So this was like the third straight summer you were watching some awesome Will Smith action movie. And the second straight summer that it was against Aliens. So that was fun. Uh, Will Smith is like an NYPD, and he chases down some alien on foot in the beginning, which highlights his athleticism, and that leads Kay to like want to recruit him to the Men in Black. So when Will like goes to apply for the Men in Black, he like gets the job, and he has to adopt complete anonymity. But that doesn't seem to matter because he like has no friends or family at all to speak of. So like he's like, oh, you want me to forget everyone ever? No, no problem. I don't know anybody. It wasn't that kind of the prerequisite too, though. Like you, they didn't, they didn't want him to have much of a family. No, I mean, that was never spoken anyway. I mean, I, I would imagine that would make sense. Um, but anyway, yeah. I happen to, well, I happen to believe that to work for the government in high-ranking secret positions, like ones that may or may not have to do with UAPs or aliens, you have to have a very squeaky clean record, like no speeding tickets, no nothing, no detention, like. They are oh, really? they're very cautious who they adopt into these programs. Interesting. Yeah. That's well, that's been well well documented in a lot of the netherworldy stuff that I'm into. Well, should we play the play the the clip of Jade getting recruited? Yeah. Hesitated. May I ask why you felt little Tiffany deserved to die? Well, she was the only one that actually seemed dangerous at the time, sir. How'd you come to that conclusion? Well, first I was going to pop this guy hanging from the street light, and then I realized, you know, he's just working out. And how would I feel if somebody come running in the gym, bust me in my ass while I'm on a treadmill? Then I saw this uh, snarling beast guy, and I noticed he had a tissue in his hand. I realized, you know, he's not snarling. He's sneezing. You know, ain't no real threat there. Then I saw little Tiffany. I'm thinking, you know, eight-year-old white girl, middle of the ghetto, bunch of monsters, this time of night with quantum physics books. She about to start some shit, Zed. She's about eight years old. Those books are way too advanced for her. If you ask me, I'd say she's up to something. And to be honest, I'd appreciate it if you eased up off my back about it. So that's Will Smith 
giving us a dose of uh, his perspective. Well, I think the uh, they it was him and other recruits and it was like people in the military or whatever. And, but like they all were shooting the aliens and Will Smith is the only one that shot the, the right person. I believe I don't, I, it I doesn't think. ever, is that the right? I mean, are you supposed to shoot little eight year old white girls who are walking through the street? <laughs> I think it was showing his like ability to like, <laughs> to like, you know, Assess the situation. I, I, I think I think what it did was it showed that he doesn't automatically see aliens as bad when everyone else did. Right, exactly. That he at least ha- had a second thought process going on. Um, so the second character is Tommy Lee Jones as K. So we, at the time, we knew him from Under Siege, The Fugitive, Batman Forever. Check out that podcast. And later, yeah. he did No Country for Old Men, which I thought I'd plug because it's awesome. Tommy Lee Jones is like this cranky old veteran man in black, and he's been exiled from his wife for like 30 years, and he spent his whole time, like since then, defending the Earth from these throngs of random alien races. It's been like his whole life, and he's kind of like, he's just invested in it, but he's like, he's burnt out. He's getting old, and he's seen it all before, and he's lost a step, you know? Mm -hmm. But what he does have is he's the master of this flashy thingy, and the flashy thingy (coughs) is like this little device that the men in black use to point and shoot out this beam of light at you. And when the beam of light hits you, your memory is erased. And you can they can erase your memory like days, weeks, months, based on these little buttons they click, which is kind mm. of a... I liked that concept if you're trying to really place men in black in the actual chronology of history. To like That, that seemed like a, a reasonable explanation to me of, of how a movie might explain away so many people not being able to explain what happened. Like if you believe in alien races and you believe that they're, they're coming down and there's all, all that abduction, all that shit is going on, which I, which I do believe some of it. I don't believe all of it, of course, but there's a lot of shit going on, right? There's a lot of different Mm -hmm. aliens. There's a lot happening. And it was always a hard thing to believe as a citizen that the aliens were real in the nineties. You're like, well, why aren't more people coming out? And like now today we realize that, a lot of people did come out. They were suppressed. A lot of people were afraid to come out because the U.S. government employed this really staunch, like, rebuttal to all claims with, like, ridicule and, like, demeaning people and discrediting them. And it became kind of like the SOP for whenever somebody had anything to do with an alien sighting or visit or something. It became cultural to mock them, to criticize them, to think of them as crazy or less than. And so... Mm. Now, 2023, a lot of people are saying, I saw something, I didn't want to say anything, I experienced something, but I was too afraid at the time because I didn't want to lose my job or my reputation, whatever. But to explain all of those people in the movie, they used the flashy thingy. And uh, Tommy Lee Jones has this great speech in the movie that I wanted to highlight. And I, I usually like to highlight funny shit, but I thought this was really poignant. Humans, for the most part, don't have a clue. They don't want one or need one either. They're happy. They think they have a good bead on things but why why the big secret people are smart they can handle it the person is smart people are dumb panicky dangerous animals and you know it 1500 years ago everybody knew the earth was the center of the universe 500 years ago everybody knew the earth was flat and 15 minutes ago you knew that people were alone on this planet i just love that quote i find it so apropos um just think of how how different we all feel about aliens and UAPs today. Twenty six years later, after Men in Black came out, like when it 
when it, 1997, aliens were still kind of a novelty. Like there were believers, mm. but it wasn't a cultural phenomenon or anything. It was just kind of this cool thing in the ether. Now, people fucking believe, all right? You know, every almost every big government in the world has this program studying, you know, anomalous aerial phenomenon or, or the like. Like there's there's a lot of shit going on out there right now. And our understanding and our acceptance of what is out there has grown so much. And I just love that speech because I find it so true. Imagine what people thought they knew in 1997 versus what they just know today. It's probably why like a movie like Men in Black that wouldn't work great right now because like it's just because I it, things like this are happening. Like obviously I don't I don't think there's aliens walking among us. I mean at least I I, I should say I don't think I don't. I don't know. Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> but, but you're smart uh, enough to say you don't you don't know. Because it right. could, like, you could envision it, right? That could fucking happen. If, like, yeah, if t- tomorrow, like, it came out, like, that aliens were walking among us this entire time, I'd be like, man, that kind of makes fuck- that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and, like, um, um, a lot of people that have had encounters or abductions claim that there are species that look very, very similar to humans. So, I like, there's a lot of people believe they're already here, dude, and they're living lives. And yeah. we, we don't know why, but a lot of people think that already. Well, I think it's because, you know, the men in black have stopped neuralizing people. So, you know, that's probably why. <laughs> uh, I, I was going to, I wanted to give you a big kind of WTF moment of like thinking about Tommy Lee Jones in this movie is he, at the point of when he was filming this movie, was only like 47 years old. <laughs> Like, I never thought, like, I always thought Tommy Lee Jones was, has been old. But, like, to think that, like, he was, like, I'm only, like, seven years away from his age in Men in Black makes me feel f- really old. And it also makes me realize, like, how old people seemed back in the 90s. <laughs> Man, I should flashy thing you, sir. Forget that thought. Like, that's just going to make you feel <laughs> old and cre- decrepit and... <laughs> I'm already starting to feel that, Adam. Turning 40 in like two months makes me like really. For whatever, I didn't, I've never cared about birthdays, but be, turning 40 like for whatever reason like freaks me out. <laughs> yeah, it's over. I mean, it's they call it over the hill for a reason. You're on the back nine. You're on the down slope. Like you, uh. you may have half what you have already. Like if you're lucky, you got another 40 years. But they're not going to be as good as the first 40. No only does that make me feel bad it makes me like really scared so like thanks for that adam you got it <laughs> so the the next character i want to highlight is vincent d'onofrio who kills it in this movie by the way um at the time we knew him he was in full metal jacket he played thor in adventures in babysitting do you remember thor in that movie i i do remember thor in in that movie he was in JFK, and he was he was the bad guy in The Cell, which is a pretty creepy, surreal horror movie with Jennifer Lopez that came out a couple years after this. That horror movie horror lovers should go check out if you haven't seen The Cell. It's pretty fucking creepy. It's like it's in the side. It's like in the mind of a serial killer. The the movie is it's yeah. it's weird. But and uh, for those of you who weren't born in the nineties, he uh, is now playing the kingpin in the you know the Mar- MCU. Um. In this movie, D'Onofrio plays a giant cockroach alien that's climbed into Egger's skin, and he calls it like his Egger suit. Oh, that's what his wife calls it, Egger. And uh, this was an incredible job by the makeup department. He looked so unique, and the way D'Onofrio like moved his body and spoke, he really sold it. Like he, this was a great little role for him. Um, in fact, I, I found out that the the makeup department won an Oscar for this for oh. 
for D'Onofrio's makeup work. And then um, Brennan mentioned he crash lands on like this farmer guy, and we've got this good clip of that. I go out, I work my butt off to make a living. All I want is to come home to a nice clean house with a nice fat steak on the table, but instead I get this. It looks like poison. Don't you take that away. I'm eating that, damn it. It is poison, isn't it? Swear to God, I would not be surprised if it was the way you skulk around here like a dog been hit too much or ain't been hit enough. I can't make up my mind. You're useless, Beatrice. The only thing that pulls its weight around here is my goddamn truck. This is one of those roles, and when a character's playing, like, he's a character, a human first, and then this alien crash lands, and then basically just takes over the skin of the character and it's like one of those things where like he's playing a char- one character and then it, he has to play in a completely different character and it was all that's always seems like such a hard thing for an actor to do like i know he only plays like he only plays Edgar for like maybe five minutes but but then like the character that he becomes is like similar but like an alien i it very always very confusing to me <laughs> i think it'd be fun as an actor like you get to really like play around like you, you, you really get to try a bunch of different things, and um, it, it seems to me he had great makeup and mm. really good direction, and he brought some really good choices to the role. And like for whatever reason, Edgar, like D'Onofrio is like Edgar Cockroach, really works in this movie, don't you think? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's and it's really like creepy, like some of the things that happens that he does in the movie, like because uh, he. Because, like, aren't cockroaches, like, falling out of him the whole time? Yeah, they're kind of, like, living inside the skin with him. He's sort of, like, nesting them at certain times. It's a little unclear, but they're, like, always kind of around him. But yeah, great, great role. role. He's, He's a great... great. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is, like, a very underappreciated actor, I feel. I mean, I know people know who he is, but, like, I feel like he just, he doesn't get as much credit as he should and doesn't probably get all the roles that he should get i don't know maybe it's maybe he's hard to work with he he seems like kind of like that kind of actor that might be tough to work with i just don't think he's good looking enough like you mm, like for hollywood right. like you need to be a little more handsome otherwise you got to play a fucking cockroach <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> the last thing about egger is that there was this really good symbolism symbolism with him driving a like a pest control truck like mm. this dude shows up to like exterminate cockroaches in the farm where Edgar crash lands and he like kills him and he like jacks his truck and drives it to New York city. So like the cockroach is driving around in a pest control truck while he's trying to exterminate the human race, which I thought was, you know, I like that. That is, that is, that is good. That's for not foreshadowing, but it's, yeah, it is interesting. I like that. You know, the rest of the cast is made up and they're kind of, I wouldn't say forgettable, but it's Linda Fiorentino. It's a Italian name. I cannot say Italian names. And then Rip Torn as Zed, Tony Shalhoub as an alien, and then a talking dog that Kay shakes. Yeah, I don't remember who it was, but there's like this little talking dog in the movie. And I'm sure it has like a famous voice actor, but I didn't look it up. And there's this really funny moment where like the talking dog isn't telling Kay what he wants to know. So Kay just like picks up this little pug and starts shaking him really bad <laughs> until he talks. Yeah, I'm looking at the cast. Like there, there isn't really a, a ton of like who's who's in in it at all. I mean, I don't even really know the 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 main actress. Like I don't really know anything else that she's been in. But Rip Torn is, do- oh Dogma. Um, but yeah, I think Rip Torn and you know Tony Shalhoub are the only other two actors that anybody would 
know today. Rip Torn is awesome on the Larry Sanders show. Uh, for mm. you 90s lovers, the Larry Sanders show is really good. Um, Tony Shalhoub, he was still kind of a character actor at this point. He had done some good movies for the Coen Brothers. He'd had some good roles for the Coen Brothers and shit like that. Tony Shalhoub, to me, is like barely recognizable in this movie. And I, I for because of the makeup jog they did, and they like shoot his head off, and he's doing all these weird twitches and things. I think he started Monk like a few years later, like three or four years later. Um, and Monk's, Monk's a really good comedy, too. I, I've been recommending to people um, that came out in the 2000s. I, I, I never even watched Monk. Did you watch Monk? Yeah, I did, but I didn't watch it till like last year. Like, I didn't watch it at the time. I came back to it like last year, and I was like, "Wow, this show's actually really funny." That's his, yeah. I it's a, he's a, he has like OCD, right? He's like a yeah. He's like detective a, that he's he's an OCD detective, but it's worse than OCD. He's like a he's like a big time germaphobe to the point where he like he's. But that's the best part of the show because he's like so grossed out by it, and the way they put that as a challenge to him being a detective. There's this mm. one episode called like Mister Monk and the Leper, and he's trying to do detective work around this guy who has leprosy. <laughs> And he's like so disgusted, like every second of this episode, like even talking to the guy, you like can't look at him. That's what makes the show work, actually. Mm, Interesting. So Linda Forentino is she's like an autopsy lady and she works at the morgue and she keeps finding all this weird alien shit at different points in the movie. And then like Kay flashy things her and she forgets. So then she finds newly and shit. And like each time that she discovers the aliens like exist she's not even surprised she's like whoa check it out this is weird i don't think this thing's a body at all i think it's like a a fucking suit that a little alien like she is so like on board with these things are aliens she doesn't seem surprised at all well doesn't like jay have like an kind of a problem with it like and that's why like they don't neuralize her to like find the cat like because and then at the end like don't they choose not to neuralize her, like the for not to forget it all? Um, they flashy thanged her a few times during the movie, and uh, Will Smith was giving Kay shit about it, like he's gonna give her cancer or something. And Kay's like, "It's never heard her before." And Will Smith's like, "How many times do you flashy thing that poor woman?" <laughs> like, uh. like she's just perpetually finding alien bodies at the New York morgue, and Kay has to go in, get them, and flashy thing her and get out of there. Was she like somewhat of a love interest with? With Jay? There was some, like, light flirting, but they, they never, like, got into that story very much, thank Okay. Thank God. Yeah. So, uh, one of the... Talking about the rest of the cast, they did this one scene where they were talking about known aliens on Earth, and, like, oh. Zed cuts to, like, a TV screen, and he shows all the known aliens on Earth, and you have to, like, pause it to see all of them, and I didn't even catch all of them still, but I paused it, and some of the aliens on the TV screen were, were Sylvester Stallone, makes sense. Danny DeVito totally makes sense. James Cameron makes sense. Al Roker, I don't know about that one. And there was there was a couple others, but I thought that was just funny that they decided to just, you know, uh, arbitrarily designate some actors and famous people as aliens in this movie. Uh, I think they uh, uh, George Lucas is one of them. Dion Warwick, uh, a singer, Newt, uh, politician Newt Gingrich, and then uh, <laughs> the one that is kind of funny is uh, the motivational author tony robbins like oh, that yeah. guy totally. he looks like an alien totally <laughs> yeah dude i'm starting like i'm not like i've never tried it or anything but i'm starting to wonder about tony robbins methodology i'm starting to like think there might be something to that about what it, what he's really doing is he's tricking your brain and what i've what i've been reading about lately about the brain is that the brain can't really tell the difference between 
an actual experience that you had and an and a made up experience that you're remembering. Like the brain will take like pleasure or, or whatever from it either way. And so mm. you can you can like fool your brain with imaginary messaging into believing some things. And that's sort of like what Tony Robbins thing is all about is you'll trick your brain into believing you're like the best looking guy at the bar or whatever, you know, like whatever yeah. you're trying to do. Yeah, that's uh, th- that's the premise for the movie Shallow How. <laughs> he tricks Jack Black, convinces himself that this big woman, Gwyneth Paltrow, is like a skinny model. And yeah, <laughs> talk about a movie that never get made today. That 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 premise is a two minute SNL skit from 1994. The idea <laughs> that it was like a two hour movie in 2008, like it blows my mind. Like who? What a terrible... Like, you saw it, right? It's fucking awful. I've only seen it, like, once. If I saw it. It's one of those movies I didn't see in the theater either. I mean, it did not look interesting at all for me to see. Uh, And it is weird that Gwyneth Paltrow would do that role. I I think she's gone on to say, like, she'd never do that role if if it was offered to her now. But uh, that's kind of funny. Um, Is there any any other notable cast? I I don't think so, right? Yeah, I mean, I think we should get into our most nostalgic scenes. Like, I, I mean, I think that first scene that we already listened to with Will Smith, like, you know, finding the, the or killing a little girl, well, not a real little girl, but is good. But like, I mean, the early scenes are, are really good. Like him chasing the that first alien uh, is like kind of showing like his athleticism and like, uh, and I think because he's chasing an alien and like, and that's why he gets recruited. But what what's like your most nostalgic scene, Adam? I really like the scene. Will Smith's first mission, as soon as he becomes a man in black, they realize that some alien is like leaving New York City. He's like he's going outside of his quarantine zone, and so like Kay and Jay like hop in their car and they like speed him down. And this guy's name is Reggie, and they're like Reggie, what are you doing? And Reggie's like, Oh my wife, uh, look! And they like look back at the wife, and like she's going into labor. You come with me, Reg. And um, and you handle this. What? Me? No, it's easy. You just catch. Are you sure he knows what he's doing? He does it all the time. Let the men work. Oh. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um. Damn, man. Okay. Something's peeking. Proactive missile. Action. Fifty fourth from Madison. You're headed out of town, Reggie. What's going on? Oh well, we're we're meeting someone. Who you meet? The CGI in this movie, I should shout out. Like, is like. Is this is 1997 and the CGI in this movie that they do like because it's a lot of it's like kind of like far away shots of the CGI but like works really well for for back in the day I guess I feel like this was at the yeah and it was also the time when CGI was kind of getting a lot more better but it is weird to think about CGI back in the 90s because like you, CGI in movies in the 90s were sometimes was awful. Yeah, this was one of the early good examples of CGI, and and they did it right. It it wasn't like it wasn't over the top most of the time. Like there was a couple of scenes with a lot of aliens walking around, like those weird things in the MIB office that smoke. I don't know what they are. They kind of look like mm. prawns or like little like those things are all CGI. And there's like these aliens that look like the aliens from The Simpsons. Those like green things with like ten tentacles. Like those things are in the movie like briefly and the cockroach yeah. monster. But for the most part, it's like. It it's it's very um, tempered. Yeah. Now thinking about like my most nostalgic scene, the one scene that like kind of 
sticks in my mind the most when I think about Men in Black is when, you know, after that chase scene and he at um Jay's getting recruited by the Men in Black, he then goes and meets up with Kay at like the Men in Black headquarters, which is in this secret location in New York, this kind of nondescript vid- building. And they go in and then it's like this like basically like a spaceport of all these aliens walking around and like and then Jay meets you know, Zed, obviously Rip Torn, but and then also meets all these other aliens that are kind of like hanging around the place. And it's a, uh, it's, it's super like fun. Like it's like a fun little scene. Like I, I and I do think there is probably like a, <laughs> one of my favorite types of scenes, but I, I don't, rem- I don't, it didn't, doesn't stick out to me as well as like, as them introducing uh, Jay to the, the men in black headquarters. Yeah. Another good scene is uh, when the morgue lady, is examining the body mm. of the dead alien dipl- bli- diplomat or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And they open the little head opens up. And when the head opens up, there's this little tiny traditional gray looking alien that's about the size, maybe like a foot tall, maybe six inches. And it's like living inside this dude's head. And inside the head is like this giant control panel. And he's controlling the human body. Like it's like iron giant. And it's, it looks really cool. The alien like looks good. The alien like is dying, and he, that's when he says like you need to find the resources on Orion's belt, which confuses everybody. But it's just a really cool moment when the head opens up, and there's this little tiny alien inside the dude's brain, maneuvering him around with levers and gears and shit. Speaking of like CGI, the practical effects in this movie, like the the puppets and the whatever they use, like is also really good. Like this, I feel like that's what makes this movie so memorable is because of how well they did it. Like, and that that's probably goes with like Barry Sonnefeld and like that. He doesn't really half-ass things. Cause this, this movie in the like early nineties would have been half-assed and would have probably been awful. It's funny you say that. Cause it was in development hell for like six years. Like, hmm. like I think they greenlit this idea in like 92. I want to say I was reading into this and Sonnenfeld had like other obligations and he, like they just kept like backburnering it. And oh, by wow. the time they finally got around to it, they there was some pretty big strides in movie making CGI in the nineties. And yeah, it went totally. it from going from like ninety two to ninety seven in terms of like special effects, movie making is a big deal. And I think it really benefited the final product. I think if this movie comes out in ninety two, we probably watch it, then kinda forget about it. One of the most memorable scenes is that the ending, but obviously I don't remember it that well because <laughs> it's <laughs> one of the most uh, memorable scenes that I don't remember. But what I do remember is, and I don't know if this happens, this must happen at the same time, but it's like they get out an arsenal of like, they have, they have these this car, this black car that the men in black drive in, and then it like opens up and like all these like cool guns come out and then they like have to basically go kill Edgar uh, and this whole big scene happens. Why don't you explain what actually goes down? Yeah, that's kind of it. They they they're hunting this big giant cockroach, and like Will Smith has been using this little tiny pistol the whole time called the noisy cricket, and he calls it his midget cricket. But it like when he shoots it, he he gets like blowback, and he like he'll fire back like thirty feet. Um, but anyway, he finally gets rid of the midget cricket, and at the end, K brings out these BFGs, which is a term from the game Doom, which stands for big fucking guns, and. K and J both have these giant, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figure-looking guns that they're going to go fight this this giant cockroach with down at the end, like the final showdown. And uh, 
they have this fight with the guns and like the cockroach eats Kay's gun and then Kay gets himself swallowed so that he can go in, retrieve the gun and blow up the cockroach from the inside out with a little help from Linda Fiorentino and he's dead. <laughs> and then and, and then all the guts goes over all of them, right? right? And yeah, that's kind of, they get yeah. they get schmagged. <laughs> This this movie's a great example of like good pacing in movies. Like it, there's comedy, there's action, there's like story development. Like there's all those pieces, and they kind of all intermix because like Will Smith doesn't do anything that's not funny. I feel like whenever 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 he started getting serious, that's really when he started going downhill. But this is a perfect example of a of a great Will Smith action movie. Well, I'm glad you brought up the word pace. Because you know how I am about length of movie, and that very much affects your 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 feelings of the pace of the movie. Guess how many minutes this movie is? Off the top of my head, I would guess it would be around like around an hour and a half, but I'm I'm unsure. Yeah, ninety eight minutes, an hour and thirty eight minutes. It is so perfect. You don't need more than that. You don't. This is great. You watch it. You hit the laughs. You hit the action scenes. You fucking leave. That's how a movie should be. Well, and I guess we should point out that the very ending of this is like, because I think we kind of skipped over that in the synopsis because I'm, I did a terrible job, obviously, uh, is that doesn't Kay get zapped at the very end of the movie too, right? Like, it's kind of how they end it. Kay retires. He's decided he's had enough and he asks Jay to flashy thing him. And he mm. does. And then like the next scene, you see like a newspaper, like the the National Enquirer or some shit, like those those tabloid magazines from the 90s. On the cover of National Enquirer, it's like man wakes up after 30-year coma and reunites with his wife. Because, like, Tommy Lee Jones had been, like, he'd been missing his wife and, like, stalking his wife via satellite and stuff. Not stalking, just, like, looking at her because he misses her. And mm. um, then they end the movie, like, Jay hires Linda Fiorentino to be the new Men in Black. And then they end the movie on a De- Dennis Rodman as an alien joke. <laughs> the one thing I want to ask about, and this is kind of, this is another scene that kind of sticks out to me. The last thing I'll say about it is at the end of it, like, we find out what is in Orion's belt, right? And basically Orion's belt is like a universe yeah. inside of a little orb. Like, uh, yeah. Then you kind of, they kind of zoom in, in in on it and like, or zoom out of earth in our universe. And then we're in basically a version of Orion's belt for another, you know, like galaxy. I yeah. very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> it like it zooms out and we're inside of like a little marble. Or something that yeah, like these these yeah. big space aliens are like it's, playing it's marbles kind of, with. Yeah, it's weird. Well, let's get into the the into the this this and that of Men in Black. Yeah. Um, so listen, Brennan knows this, but most of you don't know this. I'm like I'm big time aliens are real guy. Like I believe in aliens. I research a lot of this stuff. I've read a lot of accounts and Adam sends me links all the time of like shit that's happening and like. But this summer, like in August, like all this shit kind of came out. But it was all coming out at a really weird time when, like, no one was covering it because something else was happening in the news. I'm like, why isn't anybody making a big deal about this? Can you kind of break down, like, what happened with in the summer of... Yeah, I think it was July. David Grush, yeah. uh, the whistleblower, came out and said, I was hired to do an independent investigation to find programs and where government money was going. And after X amount of months researching this and... X amount of hostile clients and non-hostile witnesses, I have proof that the aliens exist, 
that we are researching aliens, that there is downcraft, we have reverse engineering programs, that we found dead aliens, and like he just drops this bombshell on Congress to a bipartisan committee with a couple other like Air Force pilots who have firsthand accounts. And what, those guys are a little more well-documented, Ryan Graves and David Traver. Their, their experiences seeing aliens are, are very well-documented. Um, David Fravor's experience on the Nimitz is one of the two most famous videos that was released, released in 2017 in that big like uh, New York Times article, the Tic Tac video. So essentially for the first time in history, Congress had a bona fide whistleblower who had the access he needed to prove some of these things, all going under oath, under penalty of perjury, saying, I know these things, I can prove them, otherwise you can send me to jail. And, and the reason why it was so compelling was because it was bipartisan. Like, mm. AOC was there. Like, whoever thought AOC gave a shit about aliens? She doesn't, but she cares about money. And she doesn't want all these slush funds going to, like, government research programs when she could be, you know, feeding the homeless or something. So, like, you have all these different bipartisan interests affecting why they want to get to the bottom of big government lying to them. And it's exposed, if you believe it, it's exposed like the second layer of government that the public doesn't know about. Some people have referred to it as the Illuminati. I'm not going to go that far. I just think that there's like an internal government that is very much behind the scenes that most people don't know about. And Grush and these whistleblowers are saying, these things are real. I have proof. Let me prove it to you. And that's, and at the time, it got like no media coverage. And Zero. I was so frustrated because I've been like, aliens are real waving the flag guy for years. And like this is coming out, and I keep waiting for people to be like, "Wow, Adam was right. Look, everything Adam said is true." Like nobody said that. First of all, nobody gave me my fucking comeuppance. Not one person, which pisses well, me that's off. That's not true. I said that. I well, hang on, hang on. I was gonna say, and of all my friends, there was only even a couple that moved off their stance based on this news, and one of them was Brennan. Brennan actually started paying attention and actually started. Like, getting a little interested and say, hey, you know, maybe there is some fire where all this smoke is. And I appreciate that about Brennan, because most people just wrote it off. They said, oh, yeah, show me the dead bodies or they don't exist, as if they're going to see that. <laughs> it, 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 one of those things, like, it was so weird to, like, see this happening and unfolding. Like, this is literally happening in Congress. Like, it's happening. Like, they're talking about aliens, UEPs. UFOs, like you don't call them that anymore, but like I'm just like, and nobody's paying attention, like, no one cares. It's just like, and it reminded me of the plot of that movie that came out like last year with um, Don't Look Up, um, about the end of the world and and on earth. And I was just like, this is exactly what happens when our world's going to collapse, like, people just don't care, they just don't pay attention, like, it's not that they don't care. They don't have the capacity to take that problem on. That's true. Yeah, a lot of people. It's a lot. It's a lot like what's happening in like in freaking Israel right now. Like we don't we don't need to get into that at all. But like the fact that like this war is happening in the middle of like our Earth is like, and no one's really paying. Like we're kind of paying attention, but like this it has such a. It's so the world we're living in right now is such a kind of a weird place it, it's just kind of all messed up but then i also wanted to bring up then mexico unveiled like a like a mummified like alien and i i wanted to know what did you, we never really talked about this but like what was your opinion on that so mexico the government rolls out these quote alien mummies and they're like 
a couple feet tall. They're like these little, like a lot of people think they're the pygmy people that have been talked about in the Amazon for a long time. These things were found in like mm. some sort of mine, some sort of like algae mine or something in like Peru or some shit. And the mm. Mexican authorities, the University of Mexico has ran several dozen tests on these things and they've come out and they've decided to present them to the public and they've said, we cannot prove that these things are not alien and we want to introduce a law to protect our airspace. And if they did, if Mexico passes that law, they'll be the first country in the world to pretty much acknowledge the existence of extraterrestrials by saying we need to protect our airspace from extraterrestrials by putting a law in place that says we have to protect ourselves from these people. They would be the first country to do that, which is kind of a, a step in the direction of global acceptance. You know, and there's there's a lot of maneuvers like that going around. And it's interesting that Mexico would do this, which signals to me that they're kind of out of the upper echelon loop. To me, there's like, there's six to 10 countries that have a lot of tech, a lot of alien tech, and have known about this shit and have this whole program going on. And then there's like these secondary countries like Mexico, and they're kind of like, oh shit, I day me, fucking aliens. We can't let them kill us. You know, we got to protect ourselves because they're, they're not they're not quite as um, experienced dealing with aliens. And now their things are coming to light that they haven't been dealing with for like 70 years, like I believe the US government has. So to date, we're recording this November 1st, 2023. No one has been able to disprove the Mexican alien mummies yet. Like there's all, all the tests have come back either like verifying that they're legit or inconclusive that they're not. What's interesting is they have a like a like 33% DNA that cannot be traced. Like they they do mm. these DNA on, tests on these mummy things and like like one third of the fucking DNA they've never seen before. They don't know what it is. Now, mm -hmm. why I find that especially intriguing is because if you're a fucking alien, don't you have a hundred percent unique DNA? No, you don't. 67% is just like DNA in our in our own bodies or stuff we've seen. Mm. Does that mean that there's some sort of cosmic DNA strand that we all share? Or are we test tube alien babies? <laughs> oh, man. The, you're, you're, are, you, are you... Oh, you're not paused. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were paused. You just, stopped, you just stopped right there. I wanted to hear your reaction. <laughs> I mean, now, now we're getting into, like, freaking the prequel to like alien like <laughs> but like but there's a reason those I, stories exist because these are theories that people believe that's true yeah we are the human race could have started like as a as aliens from another planet yeah i mean it 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 often goes with the theory and i won't ever really this is a weird thing to like talk about because like i don't it's because it, it, it's like we always say we evolved from apes right we always talk about how we evolve from apes and and i be, i believe in evolution i very much do but there's always this weird gap of like where's all these mummified versions of humans or that are between what we are now and cro-magnons like there's this nothing really exists and so it, it goes well with that theory yeah that's what people believe that that at some point evolution was jump-started by alien dna to uh kickstart our own evolution to now why is what is the interesting question why would if you believe that why would aliens do that to us are they creating an ally are they creating a child are we avatars that the aliens get to experience existence through which some people think 
Like there's a lot of really crazy theories and what people like Lou Elizondo and David Grush and people like that claim to be in the know say they're all very careful about labeling things with facts, especially when mm -hmm. it comes to consciousness and um, dimensions and things like it's like they're they don't really I don't think they really understand everything, first of all. And so I think the smartest people in the most know leave this big gap about explanation because they just don't quite understand that there's still something that we're missing if you believe all of that. Mm. Now, Men in Black, let's get back to the subject at hand. Yeah, I, was, I, I feel like we've gone off on a on a, on a wild tangent, but I, I think it's a fun conversation to have just because it, it's interesting. It is, and, and, and I'm not quite done yet. So Men in Black, a lot of documented accounts of alien sightings or whatever, following that come with a documented account of experiencing uh, meetings with these strange men in black suits. And what's so weird about the men in black is how so many of the witnesses describe them as like otherworldly, like that the mm. men in black themselves are part alien or alien. And the, the aliens are interested in the cover up, And the, that, that guy who ran Israel's space program that wrote a book that released a couple years ago. He said something like that. He said that the aliens are the ones suppressing the information that they've told earth officials. They don't, they don't want them to release knowledge because it will do more harm than good right now that you like humanity's not ready. So mm. that's really interesting to me that like the aliens are in control of us not knowing about the aliens, not the government, which would really, which would really change things. I think for people's perception about this, like if, if the government came out and said, okay, we've known about aliens for 75 years because they're fucking real and they said they'd destroy us if we told you, okay? I'm sorry. So we're all fucked now, but you know. Are you happy? Or the aliens have told us that there's too much proof now. We can't keep it in hiding anymore. But we were we were given strict orders to keep it as suppressed as we could for as long as we could. That's that's interesting. I uh, I I want to see I want to see that movie. We should they should make that movie. I'm sure. It will come out someday. <laughs> so Men in Black, uh, Aliens, really interesting discussion. This movie, the things that happened to David Grush, it's all very interesting. A lot of stuff is trending in that way. And I think that if you are a, a total skeptic non-believer, you may need to alter your position a little bit because I think you're going to look pretty stupid here in a couple of years. Fair enough. I mean, I definitely, yeah, it's definitely worth like reading about and like not diving deep. Not, I wouldn't say diving deep. But it's definitely something just to read about. Like just make your own decisions and like, I believe that aliens exist. I believe they exist on some sort of level. I just don't know what it is. But I, this information that we're getting now, you know, it, it makes it even more believable. So I can understand why people. I can understand why people who have been saying this stuff for years are now like feeling vindicated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, let me let me uh, give a quick plug for James Fox, the documentarian filmmaker. If you guys really want to dig deep into some more alien stuff, check out his stuff. He released this movie called like Moment of Contact. That's about bra like Brazil's Roswell from like 1996. That movie's crazy. The aliens crash landed in Brazil, and like the U.S. government came and like found the body, and they transported all through Brazil, and all these people saw it and smelled it, and like it's a crazy story. And he's made you know a number of other documentaries that are also very good chronology of like things that happened. The Phoenix incident in 1997, the Phoenix Lights, is when I became a believer. I was 13, and, like, the city of Phoenix all saw that giant V-shaped UFO for, like, three hours. 
to this date, nobody's been able to explain what the fuck that is. And nobody seems to care. Nobody, like whenever you like want to have the argument discussion with somebody, I'll always bring up Phoenix Lights. And they're like, I don't know what that is. I was like, how do you not know what that is? It's like the largest mass sighting in history. Like a fucking UFO sat over Phoenix for three hours and you're choosing to delete it from your chronology of like history, which makes your version of history more acceptable. But I, I don't delete it. I have to accept that this giant UFO sat over Phoenix for three hours and I have to find an explanation for that in my brain. Mm. Interesting. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna look up all these things. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. So, uh, well, speaking of uh, infestations of humans or aliens or the other, Edgar had one pretty poignant speech. Blast! Yeah, you got a hell of an infestation. You know, I've noticed an infestation here. Everywhere I look, in fact, nothing but undeveloped, unevolved, barely conscious pond skull. Totally convinced of their own superiority as they scurry about their short pointless lives well yeah uh. basically describing the the human race as a uh, bunch of bugs right yeah the best <laughs> line in there is that humans are totally convinced of their own superiority which is so true like yeah. Yeah. whenever you have this alien argument with like skeptics or like think of how far away space is aliens could never get here but they're always using rocket fuel is their example of why that can't happen? Because because that's man's greatest fucking development. Because you think man is like the upper echelon of existence, but you're full of shit. Like ro- they're definitely not coming and going via rocket fuel. Okay, Every- like I think that's been ruled out. That that I would say that would be true. <laughs> A few other things about this movie: Danny Elfman did the music. Uh, so he was an Oscar nominee for his music on this movie. This is the ninth highest grossing film of the '90s. It's top ten in terms of making money, dude. Men in Black, the production history. Uh, the movie's written by Ed Solomon, who did the Bill and Ted movies. He did Charlie's Angels. He did the 1993 Super Mario Bros. disaster. Check out our yeah, check out that in our podcast library. <laughs> the movie was directed by Barry Sonnenfeld. He did the 90s Adams Family movies. He did the movie Get Shorty. He also did Wild Wild West, which sucks. I've heard. I've never watched it. What else we got, Brennan? Dumb shit. I mean, I don't have a ton of dumb shit just because I... I think this movie's pretty good overall. Like, because I can't say like it's dumb because aliens don't exist. That's not true. I mean, that's I don't think that's true. I don't like. I think the neuralizer thing was kind of a silly idea. Like, I feel like I guess they had to do that to explain why humans in their in this universe don't know why aliens exist. Um, maybe neural neuralizers do exist. I don't know. Um, what what dumb shit do you have? Do you have any dumb shit? Yeah, just at the very beginning of the movie, they're they're tracking a, an alien near the Mexican border, and like Uncle Rico shows up, and he's playing a coyote, by the way, who's like transporting illegal Hispanic immigrants, and they find this Hispanic man wearing an alien. Uh, he's an alien, and he's wearing a Hispanic man's mask, and they walk him like fifty feet away. And unmask him near like eight state troopers before he flips out. Now, you'd think for a worldwide conspiracy cover-up, maybe walk the alien more than like 50 feet away to conceal the existence of aliens. Just maybe. So that was dumb. But other than that, I thought it was fine. Yeah, they probably should have put him in like a a, a vehicle and then transported him. I don't know. Yeah, like, you take him away from the state troopers. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, they uh, like unmask him right there. It's, it's stupid. Yeah, I mean, other than that, like, I think that the thing I'm 
was probably the most dumb shit was do at the very end where we talked about where they zoom out and we're in a marble. Like, I don't think you really need to do that. But I guess they're trying to like show like, hey, look, you're we are not as big as we think we should be. And I think that kind of goes to your point of like how humans have the superiority complex. But I don't think that message really got across very well at the in the very end. Oh, well, I got it. I, I got what they were trying to say. Um, <laughs> but I've, I also think that about humans. So it might have been self-fulfilling, you know. That's that's fair. So the movie was 72% on Rotten Tomatoes. That feels about right, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 98 minutes, perfect, just like we said. Uh, anything else to say, Brennan? No, I mean, I would say go watch Men in Black. I don't know. I need to tell you where it's streaming at. Like, if you're looking to watch Men in Black, you can either rent it on wherever you rent movies online. Uh, you can f- probably find it on a streamer. I think it was on Max at one point. Um, but, you know, go find it. It's a It's a really good movie. If you haven't seen it, go see it. And if you want to revisit it, it's it's definitely worth a revisit. And uh, I I need to get my kids to watch it. I think they would enjoy this movie. Yeah. And then uh, read up on aliens, folks, because they're fucking real and they're coming. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, if you want to reach out to us, super90sbrothers at gmail.com, at super90sbrothers, at spocastpods, adampitzler.com, all the socials, share us, like us, give us those badass five-star reviews that we covet. And uh, for Brennan Pointer, I am Adam J. Pitzler. This has been another cockroach stomping episode on Super 90s Bros, Men in Black style. And remember, the next time Will Smith goes to war with a creepy, malevolent, evil, bald humanoid, double check that it isn't just Jada Peek and Smith. Peace. Dress in black, remember that just in case we have a face to face and make contact. The title held by me, MIB, means what you think you saw, you did not see. So don't blink, be what was dead is now going black suit with the black ray bands on. Walk in shadow, move in silence, guard against extraterrestrial violence. But yo, we ain't on no government list. We should-